Politicians, especially New York governors and New York City mayors, have a thing about third-term curses. Now, Andrew Cuomo's finding out all about it. This time on Poll Hub, as scandals, plural, scandals, swirl around the governor, what do New Yorkers think of them and how's that changed? Then in Washington, Joe Biden's cabinet has been slow to come on board, at least in part because his nominees are not getting approved very quickly in the Senate. We will look into that, what's going on. Hey, how am I doing? Let's get to it. And hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper, Director of Innovation here at the Marist Poll. And I'm Barbara Carvalho, Director of the Marist Poll. And I'm Lee Marigoff, Director of the Marist College Institute for Public Opinion. It is hard being a third-term governor or mayor in New York. Um, lots of them have run into problems in those third terms, and Andrew Cuomo was finding that out the hard way with uh, uh, issues regarding or scandals or questions regarding his handling of uh, the nursing home uh, coronavirus outbreak at the very beginning of the pandemic uh, and uh, new uh, sexual uh, improper sexual advances uh, charges now. Um, we happen to be in the field and asking New Yorkers what they think about the governor in the midst of all this. Uh, and uh, so what have we found? Well, you know, I, I think it's really interesting whenever I hear the debate about term limits and how we should legislate that. Um, I, I, I figure we already have term limits because regardless of scandals or not scandals, usually um, voters get a little tired and want to start looking for something new. Um, once, once you get past that second and third and third term, and that's exactly what uh, Andrew Cuomo may be facing uh, next year when he has to run uh, and decide whether he's going to run for uh, re-election. I mean, one of the things that we saw in uh, this poll is that uh, the governor's uh, overall rating of his, of his handling um, of the state has come back down to uh, pre. Um, COVID uh, numbers. Uh, the governor was, uh, Governor Cuomo was uh, sky high last July uh, with 66% of uh, New Yorkers uh, thinking that he was doing um, a, a good job with the state. And now that number is uh, down to um, 49%. Uh, we also asked a little bit about his, um, you know, his, his reelection. You're right, Jay, to mention that uh, when we were in the field, uh, it was actually, um, there was a lot of revelations about the nursing home controversy in the state where uh, the governor and administration uh, was not, as he would say, transparent um, in, in tallying up the number of deaths uh, to COVID in, in nursing homes. Um, and so uh, there's a sense that uh, with the recent revelations that uh, there, there was some jockeying of, of numbers that was, that was going on and lack of reporting of what the seriousness was um, in those institutions. And so um, one of the questions, it certainly has resonated uh, with uh, New Yorkers we asked New Yorkers whether the, the governor, um, how he's been handling the nursing homes during the pandemic. And 61% of uh, New York voters think that there has been some wrongdoing by the governor uh, on, on this issue. 19%, almost one in five, think he's actually done something um, illegal. Um, and 41% and think that he has done something um, 
un, at least unethical, not necessarily illegal, but something un, unethical. Only 27% of voters in the state think that he has done nothing wrong. So that in itself um, is a huge issue in the state for him um, and you know, certainly cause uh, for, for concern because there's a sense that there may be more coming. Uh, but then towards the end of the week, there was more coming, but it wasn't about the nursing homes. Yeah, and there were the accusations of uh, sexual harassment from a former staff person. And that is the, uh, you know, in politics, you try to chase a bad story off with another story. But in this case, chasing the nursing home scandal away with a sexual harassment scandal is not exactly the way you want to solve it. And I, I just want to go back to the nursing home for, for, for one second. And, uh, you know, the political consultants will tell you that the best thing to do is to get everything out in front and get it done with. And Cuomo's instincts and personality seem to be to kind of get into an arm twisting kind of back and forth with the people who are challenging him. And, you know, you've been in office, as Jay mentioned, for so long, you know, you pick up some bruises and make some enemies along the way. And so this becomes an opportunity for people to pile on. And we're seeing Democrats in the state Senate uh, on the attack about whether he should continue to have emergency powers. And there's talk of even resignations and you know all kinds of things um, potentially. Uh, they're certainly not acting like the Republicans in the Senate did when uh, Donald Trump was being impeached, where they all stepped in line. New York, a very different ball game when it, when it comes to that. Um, but you know the numbers are, look, we don't know whether this is, we know it's, uh, it's come down from his record numbers in July. We don't know whether he's gonna rebound we don't know whether this is sort of steady state now or the worst is yet to come in terms of uh, his approval rating. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, the fourth term coming up uh, when Mario Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo's father, was at this point in his third term, people who rated him either as excellent or good was 40 percent uh, up against Andrew Cuomo's 42 percent. And of course, Mario Cuomo went on to be defeated in 1994 by George Pataki. Doesn't mean that's going to happen now, but it gives a sense of that kind of vulnerability politically um, where uh, where the reelection prospects of Andrew Cuomo lie uh, in this kind of mire that he finds himself in uh, in the uh, second half of his third term. So let's let's be clear that um, he's at 49 percent and he's actually got a higher favorable rating than that. And that is after some of this news, not all this news came out. And this state is not the same state as it was when Mario Cuomo was governor. Uh, for a Republican to win in New York state um, it, it is a much higher bar. <laughs> it's a much higher, uh, harder thing to do, I think, than it probably was in 1994 when Mario Cuomo, when voters said, you know, yeah, three terms is enough. I think this is a lot like um, what's happening in California with Governor Gavin Newsom uh, and the recall that's going on. Um, he won re-election by something like 30 or 40 points. Uh, and Mario Cuomo, I mean, excuse me, Andrew Cuomo won re-election by a, a pretty large number too. Both of these states have become more democratic over time. Uh, and so there's a parallel there. What's also interesting though, is that the thing that uh, Democrats, I think, perceive to they perceive themselves to have their politicians to have done a better job on handling the coronavirus is the very thing that is making putting these two uh, large Democratic state governors um, in danger. It's the, it's some form of how they handled the coronavirus. So it's a, a little bit ironic there. 
But when you look at this, you know the history of New York and, and, and the polling in New York and where we stand in terms of the number of people who are Republicans and how Republicans do in statewide races. You, is his biggest threat from a Republican or is it from a Democratic primary challenge? Uh, I think a good question. And as we know, the last two times Andrew Cuomo uh, ran, he, he was primaried in both times, uh, first by Zephyr Teachout and then by Cynthia Nixon. And, uh, you know, depending on how you want to look at it, they sort of got s- some votes. Um, the question is, you know, is they he did vulnerable? Get votes. They got votes. <laughs> it's not well, depends on how you look at it. <laughs> yeah, just hold on a second. I mean, in the in the Democratic primary, yeah, yeah, I okay. mean, Zephyr Teachout, who was not exactly a household, household name, name yeah, I saw that around coming. the state, um, uh, did did actually quite well against the governor. Yeah. Uh, uh, during his, surprisingly his, uh, well, first, right? Surprisingly for, for his first re-election, re- so I mean, I think there has been, you know, some, you know, discontent that's been harbored, and certainly at this point, interest in, you know, at least looking over other candidates. When we asked about uh, Cuomo's re-elect uh, question, and this is a this is a really tough question. The question is phrased uh, something like, um, you know. Do, would you support uh, the re-election of Governor Cuomo, or is it time for someone new? And certainly, you know, when you're putting anybody up against the, you know, the unknown, the, you know, it's not a person, it's not a thing, it's not a vegetable. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 um, it's just a complete unknown. It, it really tells, gives you a sense of what that that base of support is. And right now, the answer to that question is 36 percent for. For Governor Andrew Cuomo. Um, you want to be at least around 40, hopefully in the low 40s, of, of having a solid base of support that wants to see you to continue. Uh, otherwise, it starts, you know, piquing people's interest. Um, and I and I think that's I think that's where the I think that's where the governor is uh, right right now. Um, there are some you know, warning signs um, for his campaign should he decide to run for a fourth turn. I think there are some numbers here that may be also of interest uh, to some challengers, both as you mentioned, Jay, uh, in the primary, because the primary actually may be the, you know, the whole, the whole game, you know, game over. Um, New York State right now is uh, registration is 50%. Half of the state is registered as Democrats, so that that is very hard to to overcome, especially um, if you have been a um, a Trump Republican, um, a supporter of you know Trump as president. He, the president was never and is not popular um, in the state, and um, so you need to be a very different kind of Republican to be able to to run statewide right now. And uh, so the challenge actually may be, you know, for the primary. And and 51% of Democrats tell us right now they would definitely reelect Andrew, vote to reelect Andrew Cuomo. So, you know, he has, as, as I so famously just said, he's getting some numbers there. He's getting some votes. Well, 51 of 50 is, if I, you know, if I figure that out, that's about a quarter of the uh, electorate. So 25% of that 36% is coming from Democrats. And uh, I, I, I wouldn't think he'd be too happy with, the, with that number. Before we move on, there was, we, this was a New York State poll that these questions were part of. And we did ask about other things. And one of them, I just want to mention, because I think this is, 
the other issue we've talked about in the last couple of podcasts, and it's the other issue along with handling the coronavirus that I think is a, a really big political driver right now, which is the idea of opening public schools. And we asked if we thought New Yorkers thought it was a good idea or a bad idea to fully reopen public schools with in-school instruction this year. Very specific wording of the question. Not a lot of wiggle room there. 58% of New Yorkers think it's a good idea. 35% think it's a bad idea. Uh, I just want to throw that out there so that we, you know, set a marker on that, because I do think that's going to be something that's going to come back, um, you know, maybe to haunt some politicians, certainly in New York City, uh, reopening junior high schools again uh, this week. Uh, New York has kind of taken New York City has taken a different path from some others. But I think it's really interesting that six in 10, essentially six in 10 New Yorkers say, get them open, get them open now back in class. Yeah. And in contrast, um, well, not actually, similarly, I should say, not in contrast, but um, we're also seeing that um, people want, though, the state to focus and stay focused on resolving the issue of the pandemic and uh, the spread of the coronavirus. 57% of New Yorkers definitely want that to be the priority for the state, even at the expense of the economy, but perhaps not for the schools, Jay, as you mentioned. So if we could kind of switch gears here a little bit uh, and, and, head, and head from Albany to, uh, to Washington, DC. We've also been watching, and there's been a number of polls, um, on uh, President Biden and how he's doing and putting together uh, his his cabinet and his administration. Certainly, there have been high hopes among uh, progressives um, and Democrats uh, that he would not only um, you know change the the faces, but significantly change the direction um, of the people who have been uh, leading the different agencies. But he's gotten a couple of uh, he's he's gotten a couple of sticking points, and there it hasn't been smooth sailing. Um, what are what are what's been going on? What are the implications, uh, or do you see any implications of this for him being able to get his um, his his agenda through later on if uh, he's having difficulty with some of these. Yeah, I'll, I'll make one just initial point on this, and that is the Senate was very slow to take up hearings, and very often hearings take place before the inauguration itself. Um, obviously, this year there was a lot going on about uh, the certification and the inauguration of, of Joe Biden, such that Republicans were not eager to uh, to get the hearings for the next president underway. Uh, having said that, that's kind of put some of the folks here already into February, and some of the hearings are just beginning. Yeah, but what about what about uh, the the issues that have surrounded Neera Tandon and uh, Deb Holland? I mean, the the issue that these it's particularly these two appointments, um, uh, you know, two two significant positions that that would have to work with the, the Congress, um, and the fact that they have pretty much said that they've tweeted and and supported Democrats and the progressive agenda, and you know the Congress, particularly the the swing voters. So I'm thinking of Senators Joe Manchin. Uh, Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, those who have kind of, you know, gone uh, Democrat or you know Republican, um, and feel that this is this is too far um, for the for Biden to go. Well, I'm going to set Jay Dapper up right now. Jay, do you find it somewhat ironic 
that some of these Republicans are finding that some of these Democrats' tweets in the past have been too partisan and should suggest that they should not even become cabinet person at this point to a major agency. I don't know. Let's go to Donald Trump's Twitter feed. Oh, wait, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So there's, you know, look, yeah, there's hypocrisy in Washington. Oh, my gosh. There's gambling here. I mean, come on. This is what we expect. Shocking. Shocking. It's shocking. Yes. Casablanca fans, you know, rejoice. What I think is interesting here is that that there's two things that that I see. and, And we don't we haven't asked this. I think this is too inside baseball to really get a fair gauge of public reaction to this, but it does strike me that these are two women, not two men. Uh, and I do think, I, I just can't help but think that there's some sexism at play, even though, you know, Susan Collins and, and Kirsten Cinema from Arizona, who has not said which way she'll vote on these, but has suggest, suggested she might, you know, have a problem. I think what it does point out though, um, is the power of a tiny, tiny handful of senators. Joe, Man- you mentioned them, right? It's Joe Manchin, it's Kirsten Cinema, it's Mitt Romney, it's Susan Collins, and I think we're at full stop in terms of what people call the moderates, right? Um, These four, I think this shows that these four have the power to, they really have the the rule of the roost. Uh, And they have, then they know that. And they have the power to uh, control what does get through the Senate and what doesn't. That this is happening on these two nominees, I think is just indicative and kind of maybe a a hint at what we're going to see, you know, and what Joe Biden's going to see coming down the the line. So this this focus on the cabinet is maybe a preview. Maybe it's the it's the pre-show to the big show, which is what are you going to have to give Joe Manchin or Mitt Romney or Susan Collins or Kirsten Sinema to get them to sign off on minimum wage? Uh, transportation bill, immigration reform, all these big things that Biden, um, the Biden administration is teeing up. I think we're seeing this. This is to me is is as best defined as a preview of what is to come. You know, I think you make a good point, too, Jay, in that this is a this is a tough issue, I think, for the for the public to get a hold on. Um, You know, Gallup asked a question about uh, what people thought about uh, President Biden's choices thus far. And what I find is interesting, obviously, there's a you know, there's a big partisan divide, um, as always on all of this. But um, they gave choices from outstanding uh, all the way to poor with, you know, you know, above average and average and below average in between. And it, it pretty much looks like a normal curve if you if you look at the numbers. So you, you see 14% saying that he did an outs, he's done an outstanding job, 17% poor, but there's there's no there's no real consensus. People kind of saying, you know, it's been it's been about average. And if you're a Democrat, you think he's doing a little better. And if you're a Republican, you think he's been doing a little worse. So I think it's tough for people to to get a handle on some of the, as you pointed out, the inside baseball that's going on um, with regard to these um, to these picks. But does that change uh, as we move to some of those issues that you mentioned, Jay? Um, minimum wage. I mean, things that have a very significant consensus um, of opinion among Americans. I think you know. I, I was I was just going to say we know that there are no more honeymoons in politics. Presidents come in and they don't exactly get free reign 
for the first hundred days. We might evaluate people during the first hundred days, but they don't exactly get what they want. Joe Biden's talked about unity and unifying. I think he's trying to get public opinion right now unified to then put pressure on Congress, which, as Jay just had indicated, was, you know, it's very hesitant to play ball with the with a, across the partisan divide. Uh, there's not a lot of Republicans who are eager to join with this Democratic president, in part because a lot of them are in, you know, they're not really in electoral jeopardy themselves. Uh, Donald Trump is still looming out in the horizon. There's people wondering about 2022 and 2024. Um, so it's, it's not an easy reign. But I think we're going to see, you know, the Biden style emerging soon. And if you think about Barack Obama was sort of, this is what I want to do. And then he, you know, let Congress kind of do their thing on most issues. Uh, Donald Trump was doing whatever he wanted to do and ignored Congress entirely. Joe Biden is more of a schmoozer, and we're going to see him maybe take an issue, break it into two, take immigration reform, take DACA out of it so he can just focus on DACA, maybe just take the minimum wage, put that aside from the $2,000. I mean, I think we're going to see a much more um, give and take uh, in the uh, in the uh, Biden style that we haven't seen in the last two administrations. Well, for a guy who's been in the Senate, was in the Senate at the age of 28 and had a very long career in the Senate, we would expect indeed that he would probably do some horse trading and engage in what the Senate used to engage in uh, to make some of these things happen. We'll, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll, we'll watch and see what happens. But for now, that'll do it for this edition of Poll Hub. Poll Hub is a production of the Marist Poll at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Mary Griffith is our executive producer, Casey Schaff, our production supervisor, Emilia Morell is our production assistant, Marcello Bettman is our editor. We want to thank, as we always do, the Roper Center uh, archives at Cornell University, provide us a look back in time. We didn't get into some of the numbers that show how Biden's doing relative to other presidents initially in their polls. We'll probably throw that in next week uh, at some point, but uh, lots of interesting stuff when we compare presidents with each other at different points in their administration. And of course, if you have questions or comments, please reach out to us on social media. If you see some polls you'd like us to, to dissect or you're not quite sure whether to trust, let us know. We're everywhere on social media at Maris Poll, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and our new uh, college to career interns. I think I even have some more social media cooked up for us as well. So never know where you may find us. Thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.